This is a day of special remembrance for those who have served our country in many types of roles, supporting our troops, fighting in battle, preserving the freedom of our country and many other countries. So I'd like to lift this prayer today in memory of those who gave their lives for the freedom this country and many others. Lord, this day you have made, we rejoice and we are glad in it. Tomorrow is Memorial Day. In this service, we honor the men and women who have served in our military. We do not honor war, but reverently remember those who pledged their fortunes and their lives to preserve the freedom of people in our country and others. We give tribute today to the men and women of our church who have served in the military. We praise all who have served and give special recognition and appreciation to those who are interred in cemeteries around the globe. For those who gave their last full measure of devotion by shedding their blood for our country. Lord, most things come in life at a great personal cost. However, as we gather around the memorial table today, we celebrate the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, your only begotten Son. He paid the ultimate price for the sins of the world. All that believe in him, repent of their sins, and accept him as Lord and Savior have the promise of eternal life. Jesus has paid the price all we have to do is faithfully observe his teaching when he calls us home. Lord, we're living in such a terribly uncertain world with the COVID pandemic, the Texas massacre, the Ukraine invasion, inflation, discuss of government and Supreme Court, even in our own churches, Lord. These issues seem so much beyond our personal involvement for solutions. May our prayers lift up and give comfort to those that have suffered. We look to you, God, for encouragement and revival of our church. Help us to seek greater spirituality and commitment to stronger unity in this church. May we be a light in the dark community that will spread to the other churches in our community and bond to our country and the world. We pray for our pastor and the message has been prepared for today. We pray that it will touch the heart of someone and the Holy Spirit may move them to accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, good morning and welcome to First Baptist Church, Sun City West. We thank you very much for taking the opportunity on this Memorial Day weekend to come and to worship and celebrate and to remember. As we have been inspired by our instrumental music, by our choir, by a powerful prayer on this very special weekend that we remember so many from Lexington to present day who have given their lives 
sacrificed everything so that we have the ability to do what we're doing today, and that's not fear, coming together and worshiping Almighty God, as well as so many other freedoms and liberties. So this weekend, I pray that you will be very mindful. There might be no one that you know personally that has sacrificed themselves in the midst of war for your freedom, but I tell you, there are countless numbers. I'll talk about that a little bit in our message today, but I just... I want us to be mindful of the sacrifice. At the same time, we'll be observing the Lord's Supper today. As we think and we remember, Jesus Christ gave his life, sacrifice, so that we, every single person, would have the opportunity to have not just the temporal life here, but life everlasting. Join me in prayer. Father, thank you for the time that you've given us today. I thank you for the prayer that Forrest has laid before us. There are many challenges ahead. This past week has been a very difficult week for our nation, and I know for so many of us individuals who have been praying through and, and thinking through all of these different issues that have come to the forefront. Father, we don't have the solutions, but you do, and we ask that you would speak boldly to us and that we would listen as your people. And Father, we would be a part of the solution as you speak to us, and in a mighty movement of the power of your spirit, that, Father, we would be able to intercede. Today, we remember. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you please stand and let's sing continually our time of worship.
May we pray? Oh God, our help in ages past, our hope for years to come. You are our hope, Lord, for years to come. Thank you, Lord, for this time together. This our church. This our tribute to you as you are the leader of our church. We thank you, Lord, for all that are here. We pray that we might receive a blessing from you as we do feel your presence each time we're here. We pray, Lord, that after the service, after the sermon, as we observe the Lord's Supper, we might remember that we would do this in remembrance of you, for the sacrifice you gave with your only begotten Son coming to walk on our earth and live among us and go to the cross for our sins and later raised to walk in newness of life. We thank you, Lord, for this blessing, this, this privilege we have to call you our Heavenly Father. In your holy name we ask it. In Psalm 61, in verse 2, we read, Lead me to a rock that is higher than I, beneath the cross of Jesus.
morning. Our scripture reading today is from Joshua chapter 4, verses 1 through 9. Please follow along in your Bible or on the screen. When the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Choose twelve men from among the people, one from each of the tribe, and tell them to take up twelve stones from the middle of the Jordan, from right where the priests are standing, and carry them over with you, and put them down at the place where you stay tonight. So Joshua called together the twelve men he had appointed from the Israelites, one from each tribe, and said to them, Go over before the ark of the Lord your God. In the middle of the Jordan, each of you is to take up a stone on his shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of the Israelites, to serve as a sign among you. In the future, when your children ask you, what do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be of Israel forever. So the Israelites did as Joshua commanded them. They took 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan, according to the number of the tribes of the Israelites, as the Lord had told Joshua, and they carried them over with them to their camp, where they put them down. Joshua set up the 12 stones that had been in the middle of the Jordan at the spot where the priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant had stood and they are there to this day. May the Lord add his blessings to the reading of his word.
Well, I tell you what, that's a powerful song. Brings tears to my eyes. Would you join me in prayer? Father, I pray this morning that you have already spoken to us and given us good understanding of the meaning of this day for Americans. And at the same time, the meaning for we as believers that we will remember. Your divine hand has been with this nation from the very beginning. People came here with a sense of purpose, a calling. And God, I pray that we, as believers, will be true to that calling, which was given by your son, Jesus. And so in the midst of remembrance, today we also remember our Savior. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Felony the Elder was a first century writer and historian and lawyer. He was also an admiral in the Roman fleet. That fleet was anchored across the way from Pompeii. In 79 AD, there was a message that came to him from friends across the bay near Pompeii saying, Mount Vesuvius is raining ash. We need your help. And so he gathered together a rescue fleet to go and try to help in any way that they possibly could. As they got closer, they saw the bellowing smoke and the ashes, toxic ashes that were coming out into the bay, covering the land. His friends urged him, we need to turn back. These are toxic fumes. He said, it'll be all right going to be all right. It's okay. It's all right. But it wasn't all right because as the crews landed and as they began to help people to flee, the toxin fumes and ashes from Mount Vesuvius that later on would encapsulate Pompeii, it took this admiral's life. So, it wasn't okay. The question, I think, for us today is that there are many out in our country and in our community, even our world, that says it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. It's all right. The question we have to wrestle with is, will it be? Over the past few years, you and I have experienced an invasion from Russia into Ukraine that has all capabilities of escalating. 
we have seen terrorism from outside of our country and within our country that has threatened our future. Violent crimes are on the increase. Murders are at all-time highs in so many of our major cities. Substance abuse is almost epidemic. Political corruption continues to run rampant. The economical instability, as you know, are hitting home. If you've ever been to the store, if you've been to the gas pumps, our inflation rate of 8.3% is draining our pocketbooks. The lack of sacredness for the life of the unborn, the disabled, the elderly, and the vulnerable is really not being taken much into consideration. Traditional marriage is being pushed to be redefined as is in gender. And there's an all-out assault on our own Christian faith and morals. So the question that we would have to have is, is it really going to be all right? And I think we come to the fourth chapter of Joshua, and we have to remember that God has always been in control when his people listen and they'll be blessed God is always in control the question is us the history of Israel I think gives us some guidance our request to find out is it really going to be all right Moses is dead Joshua has now taken the leadership God has given him that opportunity and after many years, 40 years, of wandering in the wilderness, trying to find that promised land, here we find that they have crossed the Jordan. And now God says to Joshua, I want this to be something that is remembered. God held the waters back, not only at the Red Sea, but also here at the Jordan place where they were to move across the Jordan was flowing heavy. As I wrote in a devotional back a, a few weeks ago, maybe a couple of months ago now, in, on this particular passage, God worked a miracle to hold those waters back and the Ark of the Covenant to be taken across on dry ground, the people to be taken across on dry ground, entering the promised land for the very first time, the very land that had been promised to them, and 40 years it's taken to get to this place. And so God says, listen, I want you to, to get 12 men, one from each tribe. I want you to, to uh, have them go in the dry land where the Ark is right now, and I want you to have them pick up a stone and I want you to bring it to the place where you are encamped at Gilgal. There's something significant here because they didn't pick up just a small rock and take it with them. The scripture says that they put it on their shoulders. Now, when I put things on my shoulders like that, it means it's really heavy. <laughs> and so that's what I'm going to do. It was a memorial. It was to point future generations back to the goodness of God, that they, he had spared the nation, taken them out of their captivity in Egypt, 
and they had guided them, he had guided them to the land of promise, the place flowing with milk and honey, the place that they were to be a kingdom of priests. Verses 6 and 7 are significant, I think. They are to serve as a sign among you. In the future, when your children ask you, what do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. It was a powerful testimony. Sometimes, as generations go on, you forget to tell them the significance of particular memorials, special events in the history of even our own country. Today, there's, there's not a huge emphasis on civics in school. There's a lot who don't know our history and how important it is. Israel had memorials. They, they had numerous memorials, and it's attested to in the Old Testament. This one was at Gilgal, was vital and important, but all of their memorials basically gave them an understanding of four things. One, who they were. Second, where they had been. Third, where they were going. And fourth, what Yahweh had planned for them. And I think this morning as we focus upon Memorial Day, I think it would profit us to look at Israel's example and take another look at our own history and heritage and our hope. Because I think it's significant because God has a plan. So I think we must mark our history. Uh, he was a well-known Washington lawyer, and in September 1814, his vantage point was on a prisoner exchange ship just outside of Baltimore. And that night, he saw the British bombarding Baltimore's Fort Henry, McHenry. And all through the night, he stood, and he watched those bombs blasting, and his fellow citizens being bombarded. And seeing that in the twilight and then in the morning that the flag was still flying at Fort McHenry, he penned these words. You might remember them. Oh, say, can you see by the dawn's early light what so proudly we hailed at the twilight's last gleaming? Those broad stripes and bright stars through the perilous fight, or the ramparts we watched were so gallantly streaming, and the rocket's red glare, the bombs bursting in air, gave proof through the night our flag was still there. Oh, say, does that star-spangled banner yet wave o'er the land of the free? and the home of the brave. Francis Scott Key was his name, and he gave birth to America's most sacred hymn with an understanding, if you read the entirety of it, of what God had done to preserve. Key is buried in Frederick, Maryland. There is an American flag that floats there 365 days a year. Every Memorial Day, that flag is switched out, and it flies above not only his grave, but the memorial set there. A memorial that reminds fellow citizens what we have been through. 
As these 12 sacred stones at Gilgal from Israel were a memorial to Israel's striking history, I think it tells us we have scores of national monuments that dot our country today. I have been privileged, as probably many of you, to, to look at those beautiful memorials in Washington, D.C. Different ones across the country. One of the most famous that I saw when I was young was the Liberty Bell. It was in the old state house, now called Independence Hall in Philadelphia. And in those hallowed halls in May of 1775, the Second Continental Congress picked George Washington to be the commander-in-chief of the Continental Army. Then it was in July 4, 1776, that John Hancock signed his signature on the Declaration of Independence. There's a great significance in that hall where the Liberty Bell is. It's kind of interesting about that Liberty Bell because carved on the top is a passage from Leviticus 25 and verse 10 that expressed the desire of the colonist for freedom. It says, proclaim, proclaim liberty throughout all the land unto all the inhabitants thereof. It gives us that sense of understanding that through our history there has been a strong presence of a belief in divine providence, the divine hand, almighty God. Our history is too long and glorious to be counted in, in a sermon that's this short. But Americans' history can be written in the blood of her patriots who fell from the Battle of Lexington to this present day. Some 1.2 million Americans have died in battle to protect our freedoms and to preserve our way of life. Carl Sandburg, who was a poet and author, related on one occasion when he was in Washington, D.C., that he saw the Capitol, and against the midnight sky, beyond it, he saw the Washington Memorial. It was towering in this magnificent splendor. And then beyond that, he said he saw the Lincoln Memorial, and close by was Arlington Cemetery with all of those crosses. And it moved him deeply to the point where he wrote, there is something there that men die for. We must, on this Memorial Day, mark our history. Understand who we are as a people. Understand God's mighty hand moving through our nation as long as we would listen. Also on this Memorial Day, we need to mark our heritage. A month before the Declaration of Independence was signed, on July 4th, a delegate by the name of Richard Henry Lee from Virginia, he introduced this resolution. That these united colonies are, and of, and of right, ought to be free and independent states. That they are absolved of all allegiance to the British crown, that all political connection between them and the state of Great Britain is and ought to be totally dissolved. You see the sentiment? There was a movement of this independence, this freedom, this moving away from someone towering over these patriots. The question is, what, what kind of men were these 56 who signed this document called the Declaration of Independence? 
which William Gladstone, the Prime Minister of England in his day, said was the greatest document ever struck from a human brain. Well, they weren't rebel rousers. Rather, they were men of means, they were men of education, they were men of security, but they wanted liberty. And they together bound themselves, making a firm commitment, saying this, with a firm reliance on the divine, the protection of the divine providence, we mutually pledge to each other our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. They together wanted to make sure liberty and freedom was kept. To list the names of all these signers would be a little bit much this morning. But of those 56, 50 were part of the members of Congress. Six patriots signed later. Of those who signed, they paid a high price for their patriotism. Five were captured by the British as traitors. They were tortured and then they were killed. Twelve had their homes ransacked and burned. Two had lost their sons in the Revolutionary War. Another one had two sons that were captured. And there were nine who died from wounds or hardships of the Revolutionary War. So were they rebel, rebel rousers? No, they were not. 24 were lawyers and judges who came together to say, we've got to have this freedom. Nine of them owned large plantations. Among them was a gentleman by the name of Carter Braxton. He was a wealthy planter, but the British continued to destroy his ships. It was taking all of his goods out to sell. And the reality is that he had to sell everything to pay his debts. And Braxton died poverty-stricken. Another signer was Thomas Nelson, Jr. His house was taken over by the British and became the headquarters for General Cornwallis. It was Nelson himself who urged General George Washington to take that house out and it was destroyed he died bankrupt Francis Lewis lost his home and everything that he owned the British even put his wife in jail and she died just a few months later Patriot John Hart it's interesting as you read up on him he was driven from his dying wife's bedside and their 13 children had to flee for their lives. Living in the fields and the forest for more than a year, Hart came back to his home and found that his wife has died and his 13 children were nowhere to be found. In only a few weeks, Hart died from a broken heart. A summary of some of the great sacrifices in our history. People that honestly were people of means, people of vision, people who dreamed, people who wanted to have the freedoms to do what we're doing today. And I, I'm asking the question, as we look at these in history, as we look at our heritage, what are we doing? What sacrifices are we making to preserve the freedoms and the liberties that we have in this nation? And then, why are we doing that? If we're doing everything that we can, what is the purpose for it? Well, there's a mighty purpose, and that takes me to our, our last point. On this Memorial Day, we must mark our hope. 
The 12 stones that were taken in the midst of the Jordan, if you uh, look at verse 8, the scripture says, So the Israelites did as Joshua commanded them. They took 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan, according to the number of the tribes of Israel, as the Lord had told Joshua, and they carried them over to their camp where they put them down. They did exactly what God told them to do. I think there's something very simple about this, and yet hard. It would have been a whole lot easier to say, God, man, we've already been through that Jordan. We're on this other side. We've got, we've got to conquer this land, so we're just going to go. Because that's what our own human, normally what we want to do, right? God tells us something, but we've already been through the difficult part of trying to cross the Jordan, and so we're going to get on to the next task. And God says, wait a second. I want you to take some time. And I want you to make this a very sacred place. I want, I want what has happened to you. I want you to remember this. I want you to, to take it in. I want you to understand it. In fact, the reason I want you to, and the reason I want you to do this, in this instance, the 12 stones, is so that you can tell your kids and your grandkids and the future generations. I, I would like to see every single person in our worship center today write their own autobiography of how God has moved in your life through your life. Because if you don't do something like that, when you die, your kids are going to remember a few things, but their kids are going to remember less, and it goes on down the line to where they, they don't know what your faith was and how God moved. You write a page a day of just how God works in your life, in, in the, the 20 or 30 or 50 or 70 years, whatever your age is. You got 365 pages at the end of the day, of the year, talking about how God has worked. And now that can be continued on from generation to generation. It's not tuning your horn because you're focused upon what God is doing in your life. That's exactly what God wanted. He wanted a memorial. It's an act of obedience. It's an act of faith. It's a constant reminder to Israel to lay the hope that God is always going to be with you. He was with you during those 40 years of difficulty. He brought you into the land of promise. He's going to be with you at every battle if you listen to him and if you obey. And I think in some sense <clears throat> it's the same with America. The settlers of Jamestown recognized this when they settled the shores in 1607. <coughs> 104 of these hardy pioneers settled in Jamestown by the spring of 1607 going into 08 all but 38 of them had died 13 years later in 1620 a small band of English citizens that had two purposes <coughs> one they wanted to flee from King James the first they're called pilgrims they landed at Plymouth and refusing to buckle to the state church in England to say, okay, we're going to tell you everything that you have to do as a religious organization, as a church. They wanted to get rid of that, and so they exiled themselves in the New World. When the pilgrims landed at, at Plymouth, or about to land, 41 men on board signed what was called the Mayflower Compact. Part of that reads this. In the name of God, amen. 
having undertaken for the glory of God and the advancement of the Christian faith to plant the first colony in the northern parts of Virginia who solemnly in the presence of God covenant and combine ourselves. And they had a focus of getting away from the fury and the limitations in worship, but they also wanted to advance the gospel of Christ when they came. That's not talked about much in the history, but if you go back and you look at the Mayflower Compact, there's another part that says this. They came to propagate the gospel among the Indians and to become themselves stepping stones for the furtherance of the gospel to the outermost parts of the earth. In essence, they were missionaries when they came. You don't hear that a lot around, but that's what the intent was. And you say, well, should they have done that? And I go back to what Jesus said to his disciples. He said, go and make disciples. He said, go. Present the case. Present the good news. Let them make that decision. But he said, go. In every one of the Gospels, in the book of Acts, even in the book of Ephesians, Paul talks about going. That's exactly what these early settlers did. The Puritans also came, and on the deck of Arbella, about halfway between England and, uh, and Cape Cod, John Winthrop declared this, We shall be as a city on a hill. The eyes of all people are upon us, so that if we deal falsely with our God in this work we have undertaken, and so cause to withdraw him to withdraw his presence from us, we shall be made a story and a byword throughout the world. You understand what he's saying? He, he's saying, we are going on a mission. Our mission is to be a city on a hill. Our mission is to be the light to the world. In this new country, that's what God's calling us. And he says, and this is the warning, he says, and if we withdraw from him, if we're not obedient to him, he will withdraw his presence from us. And we will become, he says, a byword throughout the world. You know what a byword is? It's something that doesn't even mean anything anymore. That's why it's so important, and we pray for revival and spiritual awakening on an ongoing basis. This is the very basis of our country as we move forward. Now fast forward, if you will, to the, to the uh, Continental Congress. As they were dealing with, uh, with this, uh, this incredible document, there was a lot of delays because everybody had an opinion what ought to be in there. And it was interesting because you wouldn't see Benjamin Franklin as a necessarily religious man. But he said in uh, talking about future sessions that he said to George Washington, we need to start every session with prayer. And here was his words. I have lived, sir, a long time. And the longer I live, the more convincing proof I see of this truth, that God governs in the affairs of men. And if a sparrow cannot fall to the ground without his notice, it is, is it probable that an entire empire can rise without his aid? 
I believe that without his concurring aid, we shall succeed in this political building no better than the builders of Babel. <laughs> there is a spiritual fabric in our nation. We're quickly losing that. But most importantly, we who are believers in Christ, we must come to a place where we realize I'm part of that fabric and I have to be that city set on a hill. I have to be engaged. I can't sit on the sideline. Listen, America's hope does not lie in her wealth or her defenses or her armaments, her armies, her large budgets, or any of the charismatic leaders, all of which are very good things. But rather, America's hope lies in the recommitment of the spiritual values that have made her great. If we don't do that, then it can be said of us, as was said by Isaiah in Isaiah 1, 5, and 6 to Israel. He said, why should you be beaten anymore? Why do you persist in rebellion? Your whole head is injured. Your whole heart afflicted. From the sole of your foot to the top of your head, there is no soundness, only wounds and welts and open sores, not cleansed or bandaged or soothed with oil. Mercy. Israel sure had gotten off track. And we're on that same track, aren't we? But I think we ought to pay attention. Samuel, uh, Solomon uh, P. Chase, who was the Secretary of Treasury in 1861, said, No nation can be strong except in the strength of God or safe except in his defense. We've got to stay centered upon God as a people, as a nation. I believe that as we look to the hope, that our hope and our strength, our safety, it all has to come from God. And he says that he will take care of us as long as we listen to him and act the way his word has to say. His spirit guides us to. These earlier settlers were missionaries, and you know what? We ourselves need to continue that mission to be the stepping stones for future generations to hear the gospel of Christ. They came for the furtherance of the gospel, the advancement of the gospel. That's in their documents. That's the very heritage of who we are, and all through the years we see that. So my question, my desire today is that we establish a new memorial individually in your life, corporately as this body, that this new memorial would remind us that we are God's people, that we know who we are, that we know where we've been, and that we know where we're going and that God has called us and he's gifted us to accomplish his work. And if we do, it will be all right. His word promises that. Father, I ask you in this time, if you would speak to us as you did the Israelites, you did to Joshua, that you would speak to us as you did the Puritans, the pilgrims, those early settlers. And at each generation, mighty men and women who have been moved by you to take action 
and to keep the moral focus, the spiritual direction in our nation, that we will be a city that's light on the hill, that we will protect our liberties and our freedoms, all under your guidance because you want the very best from us. So this morning, in each person's mind and heart, I pray there is a commitment, a commitment that says, God, you've blessed me to live in, in the, the greatest nation of the world, but we got problems. And I want to be a part of the solution and not a part of the problem. I don't want to just complain. I, I want to do something about it. And God, I'm, I'm asking today, I'm, I'm making a memorial. God, I, I want this to be a spiritual marker day. I want it to be a day that says, today, on this 29th of May, 2022, God, I'm going to be a, a greater prayer warrior. I'm, I'm going to engage in trying to bring about compassionate care to people. And I'm going to remember those who are in need. That I'm going to take action uh, to help those who are unborn, those that have disabilities, those who are elderly, those who are vulnerable. But God, we, we will stand. And all the while, being the light of the world, pointing to people to Jesus. So help this day be a day that we mark that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you would stand, let's sing our invitation hymn. I'll be at the front. God has led you. You come and make the decision we want you to. be seated if you would and take a few moments just close your eyes and meditate as we prepare to observe the Lord's Supper it's a very important time in this day and this weekend of remembrance remember those who sacrifice everything <coughs> Jesus sacrificed everything for our eternal life today we want to remember that
after Pentecost. The Spirit of the Lord came down upon the disciples. Everything changed. When all the people heard the sound of what seemed to be a roaring wind, everything changed. The Spirit of God came upon each one of those disciples. And all these people came to figure out what in the world was going on. And so the disciples went out in the midst of so many. And Peter preached a pretty long sermon. But let me give the synopsis. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge. And you with the help of wicked men put him to death by nailing him to the cross but God raised him from the dead freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him this was God's plan and that was communicated all of these that were there for the festival from different countries but all Jewish people and they heard the gospel the scripture goes on to talk about 3,000 coming to know him as they went on there was another 5,000 men not including ladies Spirit of God moved. Jesus said, I, I want you to go. I also want you to remember, don't be lax in going. Bill, if you would, would you lead us in prayer, both for the bread and for the juice? and how it symbolizes the body of Christ. May we pray. Heavenly Father, we do this, this observance in remembrance of you. For the broken body, symbolized by the bread. For the shedding of blood, symbolized by the juice. What an awesome sacrifice you gave for us individually and collectively so we thank you Lord for that for all the blessings that you have given us through your son our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ in whose name we pray Amen
Jesus said, take, eat, this is my body.
Jesus said, drink from you all, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. And I tell you the truth, I will not drink from this fruit of the vine from now until I drink it anew with you in my Father's kingdom. Would you join me in a time of prayer as we transition from our remembrance of the Lord's Supper into our time of closing. Father, thank you for your son Jesus. His sacrifice that not only has made this temporal life abundant if we would call upon you through the power of your spirit, but also eternal. And I pray that, Father, we as believers would be faithful and true to both, that we would live abundant lives, and we would be a city set on a hill as we communicate the gospel of Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. And there are two sign-up sheets in both the small lobby and the main lobby. The first is for the men's fellowship breakfast, which will be a week from this Tuesday, June 7th. Paul Barnes will be the speaker, but you need to sign up if you plan to come to eat. The second is for the men's ministry luncheon, which will be at Tivoli Gardens on Tuesday, the 21st of June. And you'll see the cost there is $15. But it's exciting to think about the possibilities of our men's ministry expanding. Today, tickets go on sale for a bus trip to Oregon Stop Pizza. We went in 2019 and I believe the year before as well. And we're going back. And if you've not been to Oregon Stop Pizza in Mesa, it will be a wonderful trip. We will go by motor coach bus over to Mesa and have a private luncheon with all you can eat pizza and salad and drink and we'll end with ice cream. But we need to fill up that bus and the first 55 of you who sign up will be on that bus. So there will be, Debbie Crump will be in the small lobby taking your reservations today, but you will not want to miss that opportunity. It's the world's largest Wurlitzer organ and we will be privileged to hear it being played as we eat. So those are wonderful opportunities for you. Our office is closed tomorrow in observance of Memorial Day, but we will be here Tuesday morning at 8 o'clock if you need us. I've asked Bob Vogt to come and lead us in our closing prayer as you stand. to celebrate Memorial Day, let's not forget those that came before us and paid the ultimate sacrifice. Because freedom is never free. Pray with me. Father, we just thank you for this day, for the blessings you've given us, for allowing us to come and worship you in freedom. And Father, we just pray for those that were not able to come today. Uh, we pray for healing for them. And Father, more than that, we pray for your salvation to touch those that, that need it throughout our community. And Father, today I just pray for the, the families of Uvalde. I just pray that every one of those souls that was lost 
who's in heaven today with you. And Father, I, I pray for our country. We've just gone off the rails. We've eliminated you from everything. And the simple solution is Jesus Christ. And Father, I pray for Ukraine, for the people, for the country. And Father, I just pray that, that you would stop the war. And Father, um, as we go out today, watch over us, protect us, keep us safe, bring us back again next week. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.